Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message. We are so glad that you are with us this morning. If you are a guest, welcome. I have a honor and privilege this morning of introducing uh, Pastor Lance Brodsky to you this morning. He is our generations pastor. He and his family moved here in October uh, of last year, and so they've been with us uh, five months, getting close to six months. Lance is our generations pastor. If you don't know what that means, basically he is over all of our ministries from birth through college. So that's a, a wide range, and we have multiple uh part-time staff that oversees those different areas. Miss Tammy's over our early childhood. Uh, Candy was over our uh, children, and I'll make an announcement about that here in just a second. And then uh, Miss Amanda has been overseeing our uh, middle school and high school. Uh, And then Lila Skiles, some of you may or may not know, has been overseeing our college ministry. So we have uh, people and volunteers in each of those areas, and Pastor Lance has the the very big responsibility of overseeing all those. Uh, And so that's something that we've been looking for for a long time. Um, I mentioned, uh, and they also have three children, Malachi, Asher, and Israel. And we're so uh, glad to have that entire family here. If you haven't had the opportunity to meet them, they're right here in this this row. uh, I would encourage you to do that. They're a wonderful family. It's been a blessing over the last few months to get to know them better. Um, So in February, uh, my wife Candy has been over the first grade through fifth grade for the last few years. Uh, And in February, Megan took that over. She has been, uh, and that that wasn't something that we planned in advance. That was just something that happened after they they got here. And God has been uh, very instrumental in that process and walking through us in that. But we just wanted to let you all know if you have any uh, first grader through fifth grader, she's the one overseeing that ministry now. Uh, and has been doing an amazing job. She's done that minis- that age group of ministry at Trinity Fellowship in Amarillo and other ministries. And so we're just very thankful for that. If you uh, feel called to those areas, early childhood, first through fifth grade, middle school, high school, any of those areas, whether you're a man or a woman, uh, we invite you to talk to Pastor Lance or Megan or Miss Tammy. She's right over here. They would love to help include you in those areas of ministry. Um, if you haven't noticed, we're growing. Praise the Lord. He's bringing more people. Well, with more adults in this room, more children come in, in all of our other areas. And so we, we are asking for those that God is calling. Uh, if you're hearing his voice to serve in any of those areas of ministry, know that we do need you. And we would love to have you participate in that area of ministry. So, again, see, see Pastor Lance or Megan or Tammy or Miss Amanda, and they would love to connect you in those areas. Well, would you uh, join me in welcoming Pastor Lance as he shares with us this morning? All right. Good morning. How's everybody doing? All right. I'm so excited to be here. Um, I mentioned in the first service, and I'm not excited to be, well, let me rephrase that. I am excited to be here today, um, but I'm more excited to be a part of this church body and a part of the Lampasas community. Um, it, there's so much that God's doing here, and I want to say thank you specifically to um, our pastoral team, the elders. You have a pastoral team that truly desires, they yearn to see you get to a point where you know, hear, and respond to the voice of God. And when you have a team that truly seeks your spiritual well-being, 
it, it expands in so many different ways. When it's spiritual well-being, it's your personal well-being. And most of all, when it gets to the point where you can know, hear, and respond to God, it can take you to, to new levels that you can only dream about. And so know how privileged you are to have a, a, an eldership and pastoral team that truly loves you. Right. And I'm just going to jump in right away. So that no hear and respond is a big part of what brought me to um, Lampasas. Right. And so I'm going to jump in right off the bat with a scripture. Second Peter three, nine. And I'm going to read it out of the New English translation and the message translation. All right. So it says the Lord is not slow concerning his promise as some regard slowness, but is being patient towards you because he does not wish for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Now, the Message Bible says it like this. God isn't late with his promise as some measure lateness. He is restraining himself on account of you, holding back the end because he doesn't want anyone lost. He's giving everyone space and time to change. Right? I love that. He's given everybody space and time to change. And he's never late. We're late. He's not late. Right? It's kind of how my story begins. So Pastor Chris mentioned uh, I'm my wife, uh, Megan, we've been married 23 years uh, this year. In October, will be 23 years. Um, still feels like we're going on our first five. Uh, I'm blessed. I, I have a wife who works as hard at our marriage as I do. It's an equal partnership, and we, we do everything we can to develop our relationship, right? And with that, there's a, a thing about knowing, hearing, and responding when if I was to turn out the lights in here and have my wife move to a completely different location, and I was blindfolded, and I asked all of you to start speaking, and she was to call my name, I would know her voice. Right? After 23 years, I have spent time cultivating that relationship. Right? Well, when you develop a relationship, it becomes a whole lot easier, even when there's distractions and all of these things around you that can cause right us to be like, well, I'm not certain, but I know her voice. Right. So when she speaks and she says my name, my response to her is going to come a whole lot faster because I'm able to recognize it right off the bat. Right. So when we're seeking out a relationship with God to the point where we want to know that we know him. It becomes a whole lot easier to hear from him. A lot of us are at that point that when God speaks, we question. We question even if it's him or not. So it becomes really difficult to respond to his voice. Right? So I met my wife at Bible college. We went to a seminary in Dallas. Um, we met in late 99. We got married in the year 2000, like I said, and graduated college in the year 2000. I had this weird um, mindset going into college. I'm, I'm a different thinker. Uh, my brain just likes to wander and go all different kinds of places. I'm, I'm like, I'm here, but my brain could be in Tahiti over here while talking. Like, it's just how I operate, right? And when I was in college, um, no rhyme or reason. Nobody ever told me what to expect out of it, or there was no, like, when you read um, all of the, the, like, requirements, all this, that I would say, when you finish, this is what's going to happen. Um, but when you go to college, and if you're an athlete, especially in a D1 school, you have this goal that I'm going to go pro, 
right? That's just kind of the mindset is I'm there for this and this is what I'm going to do. Uh, when you pursue degrees, there's a thought that this is what will you know, happen if I maintain this kind of grade point average and maybe this job and there will be these offers. Well, I kind of thought the same thing would happen in Bible college. Again, there's no rhyme or reason. Nobody ever said that this is what would happen. But I got to Bible college and I thought, man, when I graduate, there's going to be almost like draft day, right? There's going to be like this slew of pastors that will be in the back of the room. And then some of them will be mega churches. Some of them will be mid-sized. Some of them will be smaller churches. And you know, I wonder where I'll go. Like, you know, who's going to draft me? Am I going to go to the mega church and be like that part of that championship team that's going to bring it home, right? Or am I in that building process and maybe I'm that, that tool that, you know, they'll, they'll believe in me and see and that, that's going to be where it is. That's not what happened. I didn't graduate. There was no slew of pastors at the end when I graduated. Um, my parents, my, my wife, some friends were there and they said, congratulations. And that's what happened. Um, and I was like this, wait, wait, where's, where's my offer sheet? All right. It, and, and it just never showed up. I'm really, really good at making one year, five year, 10 year plans and goals. I love it. That's how I operated my whole entire life. From the time I was little all the way through, I always set goals. I never liked to lose in anything. I was the person that I was going to do it. I was going to win. Um, and not only did I win, I wanted to win and I wanted to win big. That's just the way my mindset was built. And so I made all these goals, right? Once I graduate college, this is what will happen in ministry and I'll get to these points. So when I graduated and that didn't happen, my plan was kind of like, well, wait a second. Now what? I'm, I'm, I'm day one, not even year one. And it's already not going the way I had intended it to, to happen. Well, six months later, I'm now married and. Um, we had this goal and dream of being in ministry and, um, I'm not in a church. I'm not operating. I'm not functioning. And the calling that I knew that God had called me to, the promise that I knew that was spoken over me from the time I was little, right? And I'm not focusing. I'm not functioning in any shape or form in that plan. And what I probably should have done is while I was in college, start saying, God, what is it that you have planned? What is your purpose for my life? What do you want so that I can walk in it when that time comes? And I'm preparing for what he's speaking, not just you're called. So, okay, if you're called, then what does that look like? Because I want to make sure I'm obedient to your voice. That's not what I was doing in any way. I just went, let me plan this for you, God. I got this, right? So when I get out, I get married, we wind up going, I move her to to Denver. That's where my family was. I said I was getting closer to God by moving her to a higher elevation, Um, right? And so I brought her there. And we started doing some ministry. My dad has a, a, a nonprofit um, ministry where uh, he, he goes all over the world and he, he does, he's had a ministry for a long time. Um, and we started leading teams and taking teams to different parts of, of the world. Uh, and it was great. It was wonderful. It wasn't what we were called to. It was just doing something, trying again for me to try and make something happen in ministry. And about year three of our marriage... We now have a child on the way. Malachi is about to be born, and I'm, I'm, I've got to pay the bills, right? I've got to make sure that I'm responsible. So um, I'd always worked in restaurants. I have a background in restaurants and um, started running. I had ran a huge steakhouse that sat about 600 people, and so my background was strong in restaurants. I knew how to do volume, and um, I was promoted into a different restaurant where I was a general manager of a restaurant group that was growing and having multiple restaurants. And 
while I was there and I had this favor and like I said, I had been the general manager and I was up to actually be promoted to a district manager of running all of their, their restaurants for them. I started feeling like ministry was just, I, I couldn't get away from it. That was where my heart was. That's where it was burning. And I remember going home and going to my wife and saying, I, Hey, I believe that it's time to stop and pray and say, okay, God, what is it that you have for us? I think I've gotten in my own mind and I've, I've lost track and I need to get back on in line. And my wife was kind enough to remind me and say, well, I'm glad that you caught up. Um, you know, I've been praying for you to hear his voice. Uh, maybe you'll listen to him. Um, and so I said, well, I'm off in a couple of days. Let's go. We were living in Denver. So I said, let's go to Colorado Springs and we'll go up in the mountains and, and, and we'll go pray. Right. And so that's what we did. We went up into the mountains and um, my wife reminded me earlier that it wasn't actually fall, but the leaves were changing early that year. And so we had hit this spot where we drove all the way up and the leaves were a little bit more gold than they were a little bit lower and a little bit more brighter oranges, and the reds were amazing. And I remember thinking, oh, they're really pretty over here, so this must be where God is, right? Can't. I'm, I'm mesmerized by his beauty. And so we stopped and we started praying, just seeking out God. God, we want your will. And, you know, we prayed for a while. And I remember during that time actually starting to repent of certain things. Of, And when I say repent, I think sometimes we, we, we put a religious word on repent, and we think that it's like all of a sudden we're laying out like all of everything of our sins. And it wasn't so much that I was having to lay out all of this. It was, God, I've forgotten to put you first. I've allowed distractions and all of these things to get in my way. And when we had hit this point of feeling like we had reached, you know, what we needed to pray for at that moment, we went down and we just said, God, whatever your will is in ministry, we want to be obedient. Open the door. How many of you know that God acts when we give him authority, right? And so we drive down to Colorado Springs to an area to have lunch. Um, and it was about two hours later and the phone rings. Talk about a quick response, right? Phone rings and, hey, Lance, are you still interested in ministry? I was like, oh, did you forget draft day three years ago? And uh, he didn't know what I was talking about. No, I said, as a matter of fact, yes, yes, I am interested in ministry. What do you have? And he said, youth ministry. And I said, what? He said, youth ministry. My mind went, oh, no, (laughs) not youth. They think they know everything. Right. I don't I don't know. I don't think I'm called to that God. But I also had a this edging that said, didn't you just say that you would be obedient? And I went, oh, yes. sorry, Sorry. Yes. When can I come down? And he said, you know what, we'll fly you out. And so about two weeks later, we flew down. And it was a little town called Arcadia, Florida, which is a one Walmart town is how I labeled things. Right. Was how many Walmarts there were Um, growing up in Denver and Phoenix and big cities. We were multiple Walmart towns, not one Walmart town with just a couple of restaurants. And so I thought, uh oh, Um, we changed the name of it from Walmart to Malmart because that's what you did to hang out and have fun. You'd go to Walmart. Um. And in that little town, the, the kids there, man, you talk about God knowing what he's doing, right? I went in thinking, oh, I don't think I can do this with the, the youth ministry. But while I was there, there was two things that you do in that town. 
there's about 20 miles out, there was a Walmart distribution center, and then 20 miles the other way was a, a prison. And you either worked at that Walmart distribution center, or you worked at the prison, or you were in the prison, right? Those were your options. That's what you did. So there wasn't a lot of goals, there wasn't a lot of plan, and there wasn't a lot of purpose that were in the youth of that town. And man, God just showed up in a big way. And we started to speak that there was a plan and a purpose on those kids' lives. That God's placed things inside of you, a calling inside of you. That some of you are called to be kings, some of you are called to be priests. Some of you, you're going to have dreams and visions, and God's going to do things in your life. Right. And he did. And it's still so rewarding to this day when I get to look on the social media and I see one of those youth that have literally pursued that dream and that passion that God placed inside of them. And I see them operating and functioning in something that was more than just working in a Walmart or a prison, because that's just what you do. It's one thing if you're there because that's where you're called. It's another thing if you're doing it because you don't know that there's a plan and a purpose on your life. Right. The problem is when I started to preach all of that, I got focused on what I was saying and I stopped pursuing what God was saying and doing in my own life. Right. And I started doing what I do. I started laying out goals. I started laying out plans and, well, we need to hit this many kids and we need to get the group to this size. And I started becoming focused on a plan instead of his plan. And I remember he spoke to me while I was there and said, your time is coming. It's time to leave. And I remember actually getting upset at him. I was mad because those kids became my baby, right? That youth group. I started to just feel like that was mine, God. And I actually even told him, I said, I hear you, but not yet. I need to complete this and it'll be on this time. And then I can feel like I'm done. Right. That's a mistake. Right. I mean, first off, telling God what he's going to do doesn't ever work out in your favor. It's kind of like going down a four wheel drive path. Right. In a sports coupe. It's kind of a bumpy road. Right. It's not created to do that. And it can even cause some damage to your vehicle along the way. And I remember, man, all of a sudden it hit this point where the leadership team that I was under um, changed beliefs completely. Completely changed faith and went to a completely different belief. They started preaching universalism and a whole entire different thing. And I went, oh, I can't preach that. Right. And they told me, well, you're going to have to start speaking this. And I went, I, I, I can't do that. Right. Now, God had given me that warning ahead of time and I didn't listen. And so that path out became a difficult path. And I had a choice to make. I had to pack up my stuff and, and get out. So I didn't stop and pray. I didn't say, hey, God, what's next? I hear your warning. What are you telling me to do? I rented a pod. I loaded up my house. I now have Malachi and Asher is born at this point. He's two. And I ship it off to Denver. I don't have a reason. Just decided, well, I'll go home and I'll start a church. God never said to go to Denver and start a church. I just thought that sounded like a good idea. Right. So I made a plan. And I remember my wife looked at me and said, hey, I don't think we're going to go to Denver. You think I would learn the very first couple of times when she was like, hey, I feel like this, that I would have been like, man, God speaks to my wife. I should probably listen to her. Not that he didn't speak to me, but she listens better. Right. So I should have listened. I didn't listen. And I started driving down the highway and we get about six hours down the highway. And all of a sudden. My brain catches up to the where my wife was at. And I go, hey, I don't think we're moving to Denver. And she's like, 
good. I'm glad you finally realized that. And she goes, so where are we going? And I went, I don't know. The right thing to do at that moment would have been right then and there. Stop what I'm doing. Pull the car over and be like, we need to pray. Right? We're already on the road. We need to pray. We need to figure out what God's saying to do. That's not what I did. I decided, you know what? I've got this figured out. How many of you know that, man, navigation is a wonderful thing? Right? Modern technology is fantastic. We now have this map that you can put on your car and it'll tell you exactly where you're going, give you precise directions to the point where it'll even light up a little red spot if there's a hazard in the way, right? It'll even let you know if there's a policeman for those of us who are a little less godly and decide to speed. It gives us that warning and says, hey, you should probably slow down. There's a, a there's danger ahead, which really might not be danger in the sense of a cop. It's saying, hey, you should probably be following the rules, but we'll give you that extra Grace, right? And it has everything that we could possibly imagine in that navigation. All you have to do is respond to it. But I'm the guy that sees that hazard in the road and it says, all right, it's going to cause an extra 10 minute delay. And I'm like, well, this map shows that there's a road over here and a road over here and a road over here. I could bypass it, right? For some reason, I think it's fun to go through these weird journeys that do not have to happen if you just follow the path that's laid out before you, right? It's kind of what happened with that. I don't know. We'll just see what happens. So I said, well, why don't we go and we'll stop off at the Bible college that we graduated at, talk to a couple of the professors, see what they recommend. I'm clueless at this point, starting to think that making plans don't work anymore. Um, I'm at least starting to realize that. And I go to the college and The only thing that they kept saying was, man, you just need to go get lost in a big church and, man, just get healed through a season. I had no clue what that meant. I was like, okay. (laughs) All right. So we go to head to Amarillo and we get there and we have an opportunity. We meet with one of the pastors on staff at Trinity Fellowship, Um, big, huge church, right? And when we're meeting with one of the the pastors there, he, he makes a recommendation to go through a season of mentoring with one of the other pastors. Now, that's an opportunity, right, to mentor with an incredible pastor whose heart really genuinely was for people. God placed a tool right in front of me to say, hey, I'm going to help you out. My brain is a little bit slow, like I said. That's not how I saw it. I went, oh, hey, mega church, y'all missed me on draft day, Right? Now's not my opportunity. You've put this guy here to mentor me. I'll go on staff in a year. If it doesn't work out, stupid thought again, I'll go to Denver and start a church. I don't know why that kept popping up in my brain, but that seemed to be my plan. I just thought, you know what? Starting a church in Denver, uh, they just must need God in a big way. And so I was like, all right, this will be my plan. A year goes by, no offer for the mega church. And I'm not moving to Denver for some reason. My plans are not working the way that I had intended. You see, God has a promise and he's never slow to that promise. We're slow to respond. Right? One year becomes three years. Then I'm in Amarillo. Three years become five. All of a sudden I start fostering my five nephews and nieces. A situation arises where I need to take them in. And I now have seven kids in my home. And my wife is pregnant with our third child. So we're going to have eight kids in our home. All right. 
That was a shock. Just going to say, I wasn't expecting to be a parent of eight overnight. Um, if you're looking for a good time, I don't recommend doing that path. Right? That's, that's a crazy time. That'll teach you a different type of faith. Um, but with eight kids, all of a sudden comes a lot of responsibility. Right? I've got to pay for um, eight mouths to feed. And so I start going, all right. I should have said, God, what are you doing and what do you want me to do? I didn't do that. I went, I need to pursue the restaurant world again because that's what I know. And I made a plan. And so I jumped into the food distribution side of, of the, the, the restaurant world. And those of you who don't know what that is, that's like if you ever see a Cisco truck or Benny Keith, that's what food distribution is. Um, and I, I told you I'm a competitive person. So when I jumped in, I started with a company called U.S. Foods. And I had a goal of being their rookie of the year. I wanted to, to hit all the goals. And, um, and I had a lot of favor in that job. I really did. God, God, I'd say at least the favor of God went before me in the things that I did because he still loves us. Right. And so I started to operate in this company and I saw a lot of um, incredible growth in my position. And uh, I was growing uh, my territory extremely rapid. And I remember that somebody looked at me and said, hey, you can't do that. And I went, uh, OK, game on. Um, and it was this big account that nobody had landed in 15 years. They had been loyal to one customer. And um, I worked it for, for a year solid and, and I won this account over. And that account made my reputation in the sales world in Amarillo. And when that happened, offers started rolling in from competitors. And when that happened, now I have the pick of the litter, right? All of a sudden, I've got signing bonus. I've got a personal assistant to me. I've been assigned all of this stuff. And that'll get your ego going, right? And I started going, you know, this title and promotion stuff is pretty great. I like this. And so one of the competitors made me an offer that I just couldn't refuse, and I jumped on, and it was for a management position, and I became what was known as a district sales manager, and I had five guys working for me, and I covered five states. I I had to cover a five-state radius. And when you cover a five-state radius, that requires you to be away from your family a lot. What it also does is you start realizing that you're not pursuing what God's placed inside of you, and you start running from the calling that's on your life, and your relationship starts going like this when you're pursuing what you want versus what God wants, right? And so my walk with God was not growing closer. My walk with God was growing distant. I started going to church because I wanted to set the example for my boys, but I wasn't going to church for growth. They would be in the children's department. Megan was working at the church. So I was like, we got the bases covered, right? We're, we're doing the right thing. We're in church. What I started to do was I'd sit in the cafe area of the church, and I started working on business plans, Right? Because I was at least there. My boys saw me going to church, but I wasn't living. I wasn't doing anything that caused growth. Right? I wasn't following the roadmap. I sure as heck wasn't following anything that he had set in motion. But that promotion came. I was next in line to be the general manager of a billion-dollar company. And I remember I'm now there. We're going on 10, 10 and a half years. Year 11 hits. Year 11, all of a sudden, I'm there, and another company comes my way. Right? And they offer me a $20,000 increase. That's a, that's a nice jump, right? That's a, that's a nice raise. Now, I'm next in line for a billion-dollar company to run it. 
This one, though, pays me now. And I might not be the next in line, but by the time I get there, it'll pay me even more significantly than this one. And they're a national company versus an independent company. So that national one will give me that notoriety that I'm looking for, and I'll have my ability to move anywhere I want. Right? And that's where my brain was. My goal, my plan, my way, not his way, his plan, his goal. Right? How many of you know that big corporate world can be a dangerous game when you start trying to play and jump in it? And especially when people have a lot more money than you do. Right? If I would have just prayed about that position before I just jumped in for a dollar sign, I would have saved myself a lot of heartache. That was the start of a three-year season and journey of my life that went rapidly drowning. They bought me off the street is what they did. They, they used a number to get me to jump, and they had no purpose. They had no goal to keep me. It was just to get me out of the competition and say, bye, right? No concern. But it started a chain of doing the same thing and jumping into other jobs. I was like, well, that's fine. Um, I've made a lot of great connections, and there was a restaurant group there that um, gave me an ownership opportunity, and I thought, this is perfect. Um, they're a large group of restaurants. It'll get me a part. Even though it was a small portion, I'll have a portion of ownership, and I'll move into starting my own restaurant group. Right? I didn't get it in writing. It was a handshake. year goes by, and n- no ownership stake. And next thing you know, I realize I'm a pawn um, in, in this plot to just utilize the connections that I had made with the food distributor so that I could help them negotiate better contracts. And so that job flops. I start volunteer or I go part time because I went, you know what? I still had a desire for ministry. But I was pursuing title and position. And so I jump on staff as a part-time pastor of a church. Not because God said to, but because I thought I would force my way back in. Right? That was a big mistake, too. And I started to seek out, hey, what do you think God is saying for me? And I need to say this and preference this. God gives pastors and people and elders and everybody wisdom. They're absolutely a wisdom point. And there's great I'm going to say this the right way. There's an incredible thing to go and seek out the wisdom of of people. But it's also important that you seek out that wisdom from God to hear and make sure that you're hearing his voice also. Right? And they're there to help guide us, not to tell us, but to help guide us. I allowed somebody to tell me where to go. And that was the biggest mistake. When I did that and I jumped in, like I said, I was at this church and I was told to go take this job, that it would pay me all this money. I lost everything I had. I, literally, I lost everything. I lost my retirement. I lost all my, every penny that I had to my name. I, I was barely holding on to my house. Um, I, I, I just, when I say I lost everything, that three years in general, that last year was that final straw. But we had lost my mother-in-law. I lost an uncle. I lost a grandmother. I, I, like, I was surrounded by death, and I was surrounded by loss. Everything during those three years was losing one thing after another, after another. And I got to the point in that last year that I, I, I did. I, I, I got to the point where I was so, like, lost that I started to doubt my own mental stability because I was trying to control it all. 
And I remember, I remember being in tears and going to, to my wife and saying, like, I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't carry this. And I'm not a yeller. I'm not a screamer. I, I really pride myself on trying to be a patient person when dealing with people. I'm not a patient person in life, but I always try to be a patient person when it comes to handling things with people. And my wife tried saying something to me, and I couldn't hear anything. And, man, I screamed. I snapped at her. And I said a lot of words that were not the right things to say. And I was, I was at rock bottom, and I just remember going, I don't know what to do. Uh, I've lost the title. I've lost the position. I've lost everything that I've positioned myself for, God. And I was just driving an Uber and a Lyft just to get some kind of money during this time because I, I, was, I was broke and I, I didn't know what to do. I had applied for over 100 jobs, jobs that I was overqualified for, jobs that I was qualified for, and nothing, nothing was coming back. And so I'm just doing this Uber and this Lyft just to make ends meet. And I remember this one day hit. And it was just one of those days where I was like, I, I can't believe that this is what I'm doing. Thank you that I at least have something and I have a car that I can utilize to at least make money. And I had picked up, it was like back to back to back. I'd picked up some strippers to take them to a strip club. Right after that, I was taken to go pick up a prostitute. And immediately after the prostitute, I had some drug dealers. And I remember... That last one, I called my wife and I was like, I've had just the hardest day. And the hard part about it, honestly, was it was more my pride than it was who I had in my car. Because what God was doing was saying everywhere is a mission field, right? Everybody needs Jesus. But in my ego and in my doing, I had elevated myself to a spot that I was trying to control and I had lost it all. All of it was gone. And I pulled, I would pick up people from the airport and I was like, you know, it was hitting that busy time. So I was like, I'm going to go to the airport. And on my way, I, I, I broke down. And I cried for hours. Literally hours. But in those hours was a time of repentance. Of saying, God, I'm sorry that I seem to be the definition of insanity. Because I keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And I said, I'm sorry that I'm in my own head and I haven't allowed you to be the one to direct my path today and to steer me. And I just started praying. And I remember saying, you win. You win. Whatever you have. I'll do. Not my will, but yours be done. Right? Now, it didn't take two hours. I didn't get a phone call two hours later. But about a week later, God placed something on my heart to write. And of all things, I wrote it on social media, which I, I'm, I don't post a lot of things on social media. And I'm not a writer. Um, I don't enjoy writing that, that uh, I'll talk your ear off for hours and hours. But ask me to write something and I'll get stuck on the first sentence. That's just me. 
right? But it was more about an obedience of a spot where I felt like God was saying, right about hearing my voice, right about being obedient. I just put this thing together and I remember two weeks go by and I get a phone call from Pastor Chris, right? Which is the beginning of our courtship of uh, coming down here. And during that courtship process of, of all of just what he was doing, and I actually remember when, when he called, I told my wife and I was like, hey, Pastor Chris called. And I remember the first thing she said. She didn't even ask what the conversation was. She, was nothing. she goes, we're going to be moving soon. He doesn't want anyone lost. He's given everyone space and time to change. He's never slow to fulfill his promise. During those next couple weeks, I kept hearing this theme from the elders and the pastoral team when I met with them and I spoke to them on the phone of, and how much do you know God? Are you hearing him? Are you responding to him? And I remember during the interview process, Pastor Daryl just looked at me. I'd say it was in my eyes. It wasn't. It looked right at my heart. And he said, what's God saying to you? No, like, what's he saying to you? Like, now, today. How many know, man, when somebody asks you, what's God saying to you right now? You better make sure you're hearing from God. And there's been this theme right now that God keeps repeating to me, and it's about obedience. And it's about an encounter. It's about having an encounter with God. We're seeing revivals break forth all over, right? All these people having an encounter with God. And you know where it started? It started by repenting. It started by saying, God, you haven't been the center of my attention. I haven't put you first. I haven't made you the one to direct my path. I'm doing it on my own. And I'm not saying that you can't make a plan. That's not what I'm saying. Please understand that this isn't saying if you make a plan that that's wrong. What I'm saying was that for me, at the moment in life where I was at, I didn't ask him if he wanted me to make a plan. I'm going to ask you all to close your eyes for a moment. I'm going to ask the ministry team, the elders are going to come up front. Pastors. There's many of you that are in here today that have been on the same journey and the same path that I've experienced. It might not be the exact story. It might not be identical. But there's a lot of you that are going through struggles. There's a lot of you that are going through life decisions and going through all of these different things that you've 
You've created your own path. You said, it's going to be my way. And God, if you happen to come along, great. If you don't, I'm going to try this out on my own. And I'm here to tell you today that if you put him first, let him direct it. It's going to go a whole lot more smooth than if you try and do it on your own. Because you see, God's got a plan and a purpose for your life. It's just a matter of how you're going to hear and respond to it. You got two options when that respond time comes. You can either respond with obedience or you can respond the opposite way. And normally the opposite way is a consequence that takes you down a path. You see, three years ago, I had hit rock bottom and I started trying to force my way. And I had this conversation with Pastor Chris and he let me know um, when, when really that this position They've been praying for three years. They've been praying for three years for this position. You see, if I would have sought God, who knows what would have happened? Would it have saved me three years of struggles and this journey of things that could have been avoided just by obedience? I don't know. I'd like to believe that, man, it probably would have. But God wasn't slow to his promise regardless because he was a gentleman. And he said, you know what? Hold on. I'm willing to wait. Until you're ready. And I'm so glad that he loves us enough that he doesn't hold our own decisions against us. So if that's you today and you're one of the people that are saying, yeah, you know what? I just need to have somebody stand in agreement with me. The elders and pastors are up here. I'm going to challenge you. Come up and say, I need to get myself back into an alignment. I need to make sure that I'm putting God first today. Don't have too much pride. Especially us men. My wife kept hearing constantly. My pride kept me from asking. Don't let your pride be the thing that holds you back from saying, I'm going to put God first today. So if that's you and you would like prayer, they're here to pray over you and speak over you. And I'm just going to make a prayer and then we're going to worship. Dear Father, I thank you and I praise you. Dear God, I thank you for each and every person here today, Lord. I thank you that you love us unconditionally, that it doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter um, which path we take, that you're there waiting for us gracefully, Father God. That you're there saying, I've got my arms wide open and I'm ready to accept you in a way that's going to love you unconditionally. And I'm going to make your path straight. Lord, I just pray now favor on each and every person here, Father God. I pray that you go before them. I pray that you illuminate their path. I thank you for the opportunity to just be here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 